Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. We've only been here for what, forty minutes or something. We're rushing to get our our stuff together, Paul. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. Just we're here, though. We're here, we're here, and we're live. And speaking of why we're live, look, it, it, it's Father's Day weekend, and I've got a guest on at three fifteen to three thirty. But if you want to wish your dad a happy Father's Day, look, feel free to call me. If you because I got a long list of stuff. I got I got all sorts of stuff to cover. And that's the the good and the bad thing about having a lot of guests or good guests is you don't get to a lot of this stuff. And it just keeps rolling, and then I never get to it, and it, it goes in the stack of stuff that maybe one day when I have like a month where I don't have any guests. And I, it's out of date anyway. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. right. It's, it's not current anymore. And so it goes until next year, and by the time I get around to next year, it's forgotten. Kind of like leftovers in the freezer, you know? Two years later, you're like, oh, wow. It has that. green stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully in the freezer, it doesn't have green stuff. <laughs> I have a lot of ice along the edges and all, but, but anyway, it is Father's Day. And, and if you're like me, man, I had a, I had the best dad ever. And, and that is, that is the truth. Um, but if you'd like to wish your dad a, a happy Father's Day, sure. Why not? 877-235-9405 or you can text it to the same number. You, if you ever wanted to wish your dad a Father's Day on a 200-mile-wide radio station. and, and But if, you, if you're going to do that, you have to tell me why. Why is he the best dad ever? And I'll tell you right off, mine, my dad did not hunt or fish. And a lot of you out there going, what in the world are you doing on the radio with a hunting and fishing show? It, it's because that he realized that two boys growing up in the country uh, were interested in it. And while he didn't see the uh the benefit in it at the time he provided us with opportunity you know we had the land to roam on he turned us loose we had neighbors that that took us hunting and he allowed that he asked them if they would take us hunting and uh, my granddaddy loved to fish and we had a pond and you know practically every saturday i was fishing with my granddaddy so my dad even though he did not hunt or fish he allowed me he probably did more than most dads that hunter fish do for their kids because he went outside his envelope his comfort level giving kids a gun you know it's just that sort of thing and he probably did more in that sense than a lot of than i'm doing for my kids because my kids <laughs> they get it whether they want it or not you know what i got from my dad i learned how to build a good five strand barbed bar fence i can build a good five strand barbed bar fence it's straight the uh and when you do a barbed wire fence, you don't string the bottom strand first. You start at the top. Because if you string the bottom strand first and you try to pull the second strand, it's going to get tangled in the bottom strand. And that's all the way up. So when you build a barbed wire fence, those of you who have never built one before, you build the fifth top strand first and go down. I know how to set corner posts. I know how to work on a tractor. I know how to... I know the stars at night, the constellations and all. I've been to more air shows than I can count on 
four or five times on both hands. Um, gave me a love of aviation. But as far as the outdoor goes, he gave me the opportunity that he didn't really see the benefit in. That it wasn't his thing. And for that, he's got my eternal thanks because it has been a lifetime lived outdoors. And like I said, my kids, they get it. Jordan enjoyed it. Taylor, you know, she does it because she loves it just as much as me. So uh, it's Father's Day. If you want to, if you want to, you got something on your mind or, or like I said, I'm live, got plenty of stuff. I'll take up the whole time. Uh, but if you want to wish your dad, an outdoors dad, a, a happy Father's Day, then feel free to call me or text me and we'll put you on the air. We have a very low threshold for, for people calling into the show. So anyway, um, but we do have, uh, like I said, I've got a lot of stuff to cover here and I won't get to, I won't get to much of any of it. But we're going to start off and get the calendar of events out of the way because we didn't do one last week. And, uh, <laughs> wow. Anyway, the uh, calendar of events is brought to you by Vincent Anderson, Green Pond Landing and Event Center. You'll hear their ads at the, on the 15 break on this show. And it's a great ad about Lake Harville. Hope you'll go down and take advantage of, of the, uh, of the benefits and the opportunities that Lake Harville has. Uh, if you're interested in Bob White Quail, the history, biology and practical management for South Carolina landowners, then uh, June 20th, the Clarendon County Extension Office in Manning, South Carolina, there's going to be a joint uh, a joint <laughs> quail management seminar, uh, Clemson Cooperative Extension, NRCS, DNR, uh, the South Carolina Bob White Quail Initiative, uh, Quail Forever, U.S. Forest Service, National International Paper, a bunch of them put on participants will interact directly with biologists as they discuss the natural history, biology, and management of Bob Whites and other members of the Grass and Bird Guild. Uh, classroom sessions will include biology history, population trends, habitat management practices, practices, and conservation efforts. Afternoon sessions will be held in the field with topics including equipment, native plant identification and wildlife value, and overview of management practices on the property. So, again, that's June 20th, Clarendon, Clarendon County Extension Office. I went to one of these uh, in Whitmire last year. And just a, just a just a really cool thing. And if you want more information on it, I was going to give you that. It's um, Clemson EDU Extension. Oh, well, I can't read that. <laughs> but anyway, if you go to Clemson and, and type in the Bob White Quail uh, seminars, it'll come up. I find Google does that for me very well. If you're interested in uh, saltwater fishing clinic, here's, this is kind of different because we get the we get the freshwater ones all the time up here. Uh, if you're interested in a saltwater fishing clinic, then Edisto is the place for you. June 29th, it's a Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Edisto Environment. It's not Edisto. I forget who I was. It was like. Ducks Unlimited TV or something, and they, they came on and said the Adisto, because they were talking about the Ace Basin, the Ashapoo, the Combahee, and the Adisto River. And I'm like, uh-oh. Somebody did not did not check that one very good because it's the Edisto River. Uh, the Edisto Environmental Learning System, Green Pond, South Carolina, hosted by, by the Department of Natural Resources. Um, have you ever been fishing, or has it been a long time since you wet your line if you're Intimidated by how to be a <laughs> tie a Palomar knot, the, the print kind of faded there, or proper casting techniques for all situations. And we have a class for you. The family fishing clinic is 
an introductory class to fishing. In this case, it's a saltwater one, which is pretty cool. So, again, that's June the 29th. If you go to the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources, look at Aquatic Ed, you'll see it there. Santee Delta River Cruise and Beach Drop. This is June 23rd, too. Trip times 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. or 11.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. This is through Coastal Expeditions. Uh, travel through diverse ecosystems from lush bottomland forests through freshwater tidal marshlands and remnant rice fields into a salt marsh estuary where you find yourself on the front beach of a barrier island looking out across the open Atlantic. The Santee was once a busy river teamer with commerce and human activity during the 18th and 19th centuries. It was a main corridor for Europeans, colonists, and early Americans in the interior of the region and was one of the rice baskets of the low country in its tidal reaches. Today is one of the wildest and most scenic rivers in the south with Audubon-grade backdrops. So if you want to get this, and it's pretty cool, your, your captain and guide is Gates Roll, and it's rumored to have been raised by a family of blue crabs. <laughs> he says he's one of the best guys to have ever been a part of the Coastal Expeditions team. Um, and that's true. The Santee River, if, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the author, South Carolina author who grew up on the Santee. Oh, man. It'll come to me probably sometime next week. But anyway, he, he has a good book out on the Santee. I'll remember it. And um, June 29th, Free Family Fishing Clinic, uh, Brick Pond Park in North Augusta, hosted by Savannah River Keeper. And more information on that you can get from the Department of Natural Resources, too. It is, uh, you know, it's Free Family Fishing. Kids under 15 can fish. Parents you can't fish. But you can go watch your kids fish and have a good time. So anyway, hang on. Through the break, on the other side, we're going to talk to Steve Gross from Dodson Fishing Company, the new fly fishing shop and Traveler's Rest, about their store. So hang on. More Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. Dawn to midday to dusk, the sun's rays dance across the water and the sparkling light beckons. The abundant shorelines invite you to play or sail or simply behold. This is where champions fish and families gather to unwind. It's Lake Hartwell and Anderson is the gateway to its wonders. Walk on a pier, float all day, and restore your soul in this beautiful oasis. Visit Anderson, South Carolina's bright spot. Discover more at visitanderson.com and visit lakehartwell.com. Good afternoon and welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. I want to go straight to the phones because we got Steve Gross from Dodson Fishing Company on. Steve, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Roger. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you, too, man. We go back a long way on this thing, and it always seems like it revolves around fly fishing. Yes, it does. <laughs> always. Which is not a bad thing. No, sir. Not like the pool halls. <laughs> no, no. We don't do that anymore. No. Too old for that stuff. Yeah. Uh well, look, we we up here in the upstate have a brand-new fly shop, and you guys haven't really done your grand, grand opening, but you're open, right? That is correct. We've been open for about three and a half weeks now. And uh, it's Dodson Fishing Company, and the nice thing about it is, is it's easy entrance and easy exit with enough parking that you don't have to worry about getting squeezed coming off of 25, right? That's correct. We're on Highway 25, just north of uh, Greenville, Traverse Rest. It sounds like a long way out of town, but it's not. <laughs> well, and, uh, we, you know, it's a, it's a great location. Yeah, and a, and a great building. I mean, I watched the construction go on for more than I, long than I thought it was going to take you guys. 
But uh, man, the inside is really nice. Well, thank you. We we're pretty proud of it. We we've uh, you know we've spent a lot of time and effort getting it looking the way we wanted it to look, and uh, you know making a nice, warm, inviting place for people to visit. And uh, we're happy with it. And you got it. You got the atmosphere. Y'all nail that one on the head. Um, I was going, but you said this sounds like it's a long way out of town, but it's really on the way to the mountains. If you're going trout fishing, it's just on your way up 25. That's correct. If you're going to North Carolina to go trout fishing, you got to pass our store. That's so. it. Well, take just a minute. Tell us what you got in stock, uh, what your hours are, and, and so on and so forth. Well, basically, our hours are 10 to 6, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 on Saturdays. Uh, we're doing um, sage, scott, reddington fly rods. We've got reels from uh, uh, Ross, uh, Waterworks Lamson, Abel, and Tibor. Mm-hmm. And we do Rio lines. We've got all the Sims products, waders, boots, clothing. Uh, we do free fly. Um, it's, it's a really interesting store. Yeah, it is. And you got a line of knives in there, too. That's correct. We sell knives from uh, from a local guy whose name is Woody, and uh, we're pretty proud of those. These, they're all handmade, all uh, no, no two are exactly alike. Re- really nice products. And uh, and you've already started classes. I know when I, when Taylor and I stopped in there the other day, y'all already had a ladies class. We, we we did a ladies class two weeks ago. It was very well done and uh, a lot of interest in it. We're getting ready in a couple of weeks to do a fly fishing 101 class okay. for anybody that wants to come. Uh, we'll make that announcement on our Facebook page, and we'll do that on Saturday morning. Good. Um, and you're also, I think I saw, where you, you know, if, like all guys that, that fly fish, we like to, and essentially anything you can catch on a regular rod and reel, you can catch it on a fly rod. That is correct. Just, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still working on a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, caught a lot and a lot of different species. I haven't yeah. caught a marlin yet. Oh, so no. We'll, we'll do that. One. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still after the mahi. Okay. Uh, the best, the best mahi story I've got with a fly rod is you, we get to the, uh, in the marina and start getting on the boat. And, you know, the forecast is for, it's not going to be smooth out there. And I looked at it and I said, God, taking this thing every other time I've been this year, I'm just going to leave it in the car and kind of be simple. And, of course, we get out of there 60 miles an hour as flat as a pancake. And right. the grass is punted. And you can, we're sitting there pitching to, you know, schoolies just on and on. And everybody's like, hey, Roger, where's your fly rod? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be my luck. That's <laughs> my luck. Um, but, uh, Fly fishing pretty much for anybody? Yeah, we, uh, you know, it's it's a sport that you can start at any age. Um, it, you know, it, you, you learn as you go. You take a few classes. You do some lessons. Maybe hire a guide for a couple of trips. And, and you always progress. I've been fly fishing for over 50 years, and I learn something almost every time I go. Nobody's ever perfect. No. Nobody cares if you're ever perfect. It's just a great experience to be out. And you're, and you're out in nature. That's yeah. the most beautiful part of it. You're on a beautiful river or you're on a lake or in the ocean, and you're just enjoying being outdoors and having a good time. And you realize that that's there every day. No matter what I'm doing in my little circle or little world, that I can escape that, and that is out there every day offering that relaxation and the fishing and the fun every day. 
That is absolutely correct. <laughs> often, I often say a river or a, a stream that's going from rocks to pools to rocks again is one of the most relaxing places on earth. It is for me. I, I, I really find myself focused on fishing so much that I kind of forget about the other things that are going on in my life, and it's a good way, it's a good release yeah. from everyday life. For somebody, and I know this might be fun, for somebody who's looking to get involved in fly fishing, how... What's the baseline? I'm sure y'all got some starter kits in there. What can somebody get a starter fly rod set up and at least get out on the water some? Well, I think probably to get some decent equipment and uh, that you can you know you can use and progress with. You're probably looking at about three hundred dollars for okay. a complete setup. Absolutely. And you know if you compare that to playing golf or something <laughs> like that, it's a pretty minimal price. Sure. Really. Well, I mean, if you bass fish and get a midline. Rod and really, you're looking at 200, 250. So it's right, not much more yeah. than that. Right. And the nice thing so, about fly fishing, if you get a four weight or a six weight, it's just a matter of changing the fly on the end of your line. It's not about changing that, rods. That is correct. You just, you know, you, but I, I recommend most people in our area buy a nine foot five weight. Okay. That they can fish for everything from bluegills to, uh, you know, large trout. Uh, I fish for bass with them occasionally. You know, it's just a good all-around rod. And then when you get most everybody, when they get to that point where they're really starting to progress, then they like to start looking at some of those specialty rods. Well, maybe I need to get eight weight for I can go do some smally fishing or I want to fish for big bass or I want to go on a smaller stream and maybe I get a lighter weight rod for that. So but a, good, a, a good five weight is a good place to start. Good place to start. And you can fix them up with everything they need from there, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, look, thanks for doing this. How do people find Dodson on social media, on the website? How do they get in touch with you? Okay. our uh, We have a Instagram account. Okay. And we also have a Facebook page, and it's Dodson Fishing Company. Our webpage is DodsonFishing.com. All right. Well, I appreciate you doing it on short notice, Steve. I just had a wide-open show today, and I said, hey, look, they're, they're open. People need to know they're out there. And uh, hopefully we'll get to do some uh, bigger grand opening here shortly. Okay, man. I appreciate it. All right, Steve. Take care. All right, man. Yep. See you. But, yeah, it's uh, fly fishing. I, I, I'm i not the greatest at it, and I really don't care. <laughs> you know, I can catch a few fish here and there. and and uh, But it's it's Steve and I were, were talking the other day when I was up there on the uh, Taking Taylor fly fishing, and we were talking about, you know, it's it's fun going and fishing ourselves and all but a lot of times it's more enjoyable when you take someone else and that's exactly true uh, i i almost would rather be up on my polling platform you know pointing at a redfish for somebody else to catch than sitting up there <laughs> try, trying to make a good cast and hook up myself because that gets frustrating but um anyway hope you'll uh, if you if you're if you like to fly fish and, and we haven't had a good fly fishing store here in a couple of years now uh hope you'll go up there. It's uh like I said, it's got atmosphere. Uh they got a table back there where they're doing classes. They got a table I, I when I was up there because the one thing I used to enjoy doing when uh Foothills was open would uh you could go in there at lunchtime and there was, you know, eight, ten, twelve guys eating lunch around the table. And that was fun. And they've got a room that you can do that in up at Dodson. So, you know, grab some lunch one day, go up there and and uh and eat lunch. And uh, I hope you'll stop in and, and take a look at the store. Let them set you up and get you started fly fishing. Or if you're already a fly fisherman, uh, 
uh, let that be the place to go because I shop local. It's what we do around here. Went up to Brown's Feed and Seed and TR this morning and got some brown top millets, some sunflower, and some corn because even though it is the middle of June, I'm about to get everything planted for uh, – about to get my dove field planted and, and some stuff planted for deer and quail and rabbits and whatever else will – I know the I know the yellow finches will love the sunflower on their mature. Doves will like the white the brown top. Actually, deer like brown top millet. Did not realize how much they liked it, but they will once it starts turning, just barely starting to turn brown. They are out there eating those heads. I'm trying to run them off. Hey, those are my doves. Get out of here. Soybeans are over there. So, uh, but yeah, shop local when you can. And I appreciate Steve doing that for me. Um, one thing you got to sometimes you got to scratch your head and and wonder about people. Uh, the U.S. Forest Service posted a notice this morning about the Boggy Head Rifle Range on the Francis Marion National, the Francis Marion Ranger District. It's free range with a policy of pack out your trash and paper targets only. Well, it's closed today until further notice due to vandalism and excessive trash. <laughs> and I got another one of these stories too that I get together get uh, out there. But you know what is it? Why do you feel like you, somebody else has got to clean up your trash or you got to go destroy something? So anyway, if you're interested and you're down that way and you're, you know, of the public servant mindset, they're going to hold a cleanup on June 29th. And I know this this station doesn't reach all the way down there, but you got friends down there. Call them and let them know. Go go. Give them a call and tell them to get a hold of the U.S. Forest Service. And uh, get more information on the range cleanup. But it's just, why? I just don't understand it. It's a natural resource. We're, we're charged with taking care of it and making sure it's good for the next generation. And, you know, stuff like this, they don't have the money to, to fix it up after we tear it up. So just, I'm just saying, when you go, it, it's the, it's the leave no trace mentality. You know, when you go into the woods, the only thing you leave are your footsteps. Everything else comes out with you. I mean, you can bring pictures back with you and stuff like that, but everything stays in there. And the only, the only way they know you've been in there is you might see your boot tracks. So anyway, rant for today is over. No, except for this next story. I'll get to it after the break. So anyway, hang on through the bottom of the hour. We'll be back with more Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. And like I said before the break, it's another scratch your head wondering what, why. This is from the Post and Courier. And I'm serious. If you want to wish your dad a, a happy Father's Day, we'll, we'll put you on 877-235-9405. If you want to talk about something in the outdoors or have a, have an event you want to talk about here, just, yeah, call me or text me, either one. Um, it's, it's getting harder and harder to be live here on Saturday because of all the stuff that's going on. But uh, when I'm in, I like to I like to open it up and say, "Hey, if you want to be a part of the show, welcome." Uh, another this was from the Posted Courier, and this was it came out a, a week or so ago that it appeared, and they 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 caught the guy <laughs> thanks to social media. But an all and all man charged in South Carolina shark branding case, and it is yes, you heard that right, branding. 
An Allendale man has been ticketed for branding a shark with a personal insignia. The incident and photographs posted on a Facebook boating page led to a string of repostings that outraged anglers. The charge, illegal tagging of a saltwater fish, is a state misdemeanor that could result in a fine from $25 to $200. Sacon Department of Natural Resources spokesman would not say if other charges would be coming. Um, but I saw this on, and it's I'm trying to think what it looks like. It, it's like a J or something with a circle around it. And the poor shark, you know, it'll heal. But, I mean, why? Um, the incident first came to DNR's attention when concerned anglers contacted the agency's marine division after they began catching sharks that appeared to have been marked with a symbol of some kind of, some kind in the vicinity of Deweese Island and Isle of Palms and photographed them, the department said in a statement on the ticketing. Some of the photos were also shared on social media, which is where I saw it. Get this. The 56-year-old who was targeted was cooperative when shown the evidence and might not have been aware that branding was illegal. Uh, said the brand was as large as the palm of an adult's hand. From the photos, the brand appears to have been put on a, with a propane torch or freeze-branded with dry ice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> please don't take me seriously when I say this, but we got to brand him. You know, just to let him know what it's like. Some people, I mean, why? Uh, it's, it does say in here, insignia or logo branding has been used by some individuals and practices for centuries, considered a mark of identification or ownership. Cattle branding is maybe the widest recognized form. Well, you don't want cattle being stolen. Right, Paul? Exactly. I'm, I'm just trying to decide, is that not cruelty? I, you know, I would think it would be. Just desserts with a shark been whipped around and bit him. That would be be the thing. Yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, I don't want to say I want to see that, but yeah. you would want to see that. Some people call it karma. Yeah, that would be it. But I mean, seriously, seriously, why? Um, and he I must to, be bored. Doesn't have anything else to do. Yeah, fifty six years old. He bored. Go get a job. Yeah, that's uh, very close to my age. Yeah, I have too much on my plate to be bored. I was. Yeah, I'm just a short time earlier than that, and yeah, um, I've got too much to be bored too. But uh, just you just wonder why. What's the thought process there in taking something that's wild and I don't know. That's pretty bad. If it was done with the propane torch, that's. That's bad. But anyway, they caught the guy. Be interesting to see what he gets. And uh, in relationship to most other things, uh, violation of game laws is, is very under. Oh, man, what am I trying to say? It, the, the penalties aren't up to what it should be. Not not what they should be. No. I wonder if it would set a president, oh, president, precedent <laughs> uh, for new law. Uh, since this is such a rare thing. Yeah, but it's not something that's going to get on the legislature. Yeah, calendar. probably not. not. They'll say there's already something out there for it. But anyway, 56. So anyway, got that one. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. Nature is something else. Great. Oh, I, I know what I wanted to do. Uh, there was a... Um, we talk about how much time people should spend out in the wilderness and all. And... Uh, Sorry, Paul, I didn't get this to you to let you pull it off, but I'm gonna I'm gonna play it off my phone. But it's funny; it's making national news now. You know, every I got so many stories on. You ought to spend this much time outdoors. Kids need to be outside, and it's not loading up on my phone. It'll load up in a minute. But anyway, I'll get to that in a minute. 
but it's actually making national news now that there you need to spend time outdoors. And just right here in in what I've got, I've got two stories. You know, children should be outside four to six hours a day, and why kids need wilderness and adventure more than ever. So, uh, but anyway, until that loads up, I'll, I'll, I'll coyotes. You know, we we well, let's see. Yeah, we'll do this. Coyotes. Okay. Coyote enters doggy door, kills family cat. <laughs> Kid you not. This is out in, uh, this was in Carolina Sports and by my good friend Brian Cope. And, uh, you know, coyotes are a problem for hunters and landowners all across the, uh, the South. It's widely accepted that they do a lot of damage to the turkey and even wild deer populations. And they've been known to kill farm animals and even pets. Cannot open page. I hate technology sometimes. We'll try it again. Oh, look at that. It pops right up first time. Anyway, um, and last week in St. Clair County, Alabama, home, a coyote entered the basement through the doggy door and got the family's pet cat. The homeowner then shot the cat, coyote, and killed it. It all happened around 3 a.m., which is in a town of Argo, which is about 30 miles north of Birmingham. We have a doggy door to the basement that my lab and my cat used to get in the house. I was sound asleep, and I heard a thump in the basement that woke me up. I was going back to sleep, and the dog got up and ran to the top of the basement stairs and started growling. He'd never done that before, said Roland Collins, the homeowner. Uh, Collins decided to check things out and grabbed his three eighty handgun. He loaded a clip and put it around the chamber, which is smart. Good then, thinking. Yeah, then walked downstairs, the basement stairs. When he turned on the basement the light, the coyote was standing six feet away with a dead cat at its feet. Collins said the basement was covered in blood. Started Startled at his presence, the dog scrambled to get out the doggy door, but missed. <laughs> Oops. Fatal fatal mistake. Then he jumped on one of those small refrigerators and jumped on some shelves that were seven and a half feet off the ground. He turned the shelf over and fell in the middle of all the stuff. He then ran and tried to climb an eight-foot wall. Um, said I shot it. <laughs> and there's there's other stories. I got, I've got a, a story here. And this one's from the Hunting News. Study shows how much of an urban coyote's diet is made up of cats. And it says, you know, we all know coyotes are very adaptive to urban environments. In fact, I think you see more in the urban environments now than you do in the in the woods. Um, was <laughs> not seen an increase in population of people's pets are feeling the heat. Coyotes are chowing down on pets, and a new study shows they make up a large part of the coyote's diet. According to The Guardian, the National Park Service completed a two-year study of over 30,000 pieces of coyote scat and now have a pretty good idea what coyotes in Southern California are eating. This may not come as a surprise to a lot of people, but at least 20% of an urban coyote's diet is made up of cats. Seems to be the coyote's bread and butter, and one California neighborhood residence reported 40 pets taken in a six-month period. One interesting is discovery is that pet owners seem to be unwilling unwittingly attracting coyotes with their choice of landscaping it turns out the largest part of a coyote's diet is ornamental fruit including at least in california fruit from palm trees small red berries called paratsatha i don't know and grapes found around people's homes it's got to be something in california because we don't grow those around here these trees attract coyotes and then find the neighborhood's cats small dogs a lot of other interesting and strange things have been in the coyote poop Study reported finding work gloves, rubber gloves, and even a computer part of a computer keyboard. I guess it goes. That's a hungry critter right there. (laughs) 
I got several. I'll feed them if they really want them. I guess it goes to show that there's not a lot of things a coyote will not eat. I know a lot of pet owners are not happy about coyotes, but they do seem to be taking care of the feral cat population in a lot of areas. This helps songbirds and other small rodent populations that cats decimate. I got another story that my mother has begged me not to share about how many birds and all cats kill every year. Is she listening right now? Yes, and I'm. I'm okay, if she's listening, don't do it. <laughs> and I got to go there because it's Father's Day. I got to see Dad, and I don't want to. I don't want to open the door and have my 83 year old mom standing there with a belt or a paddle or something. <laughs> okay, I would stay away from yeah, it. I'm we're not telling going you, there. we're not going there. Uh, I missed this last week because I think I told you that Monday was the deadline, but today is actually the deadline for the alligator lottery. If you want to go have a chance at, at, you know, getting your own leather boots or belts or purses or whatever, uh, the alligator lottery deadline is today. Uh, and I kid you not about the cellular strength. And, Paul, you travel a lot, too, so you know I'm exactly right. This this station reaches. I was in Augusta, Georgia the other day. And it gets there. And listening just as clear as it could be uh, all the way down to where it gets out to, what, eight lanes in Columbia? Yeah, right there. Yeah, the, it does. Where it, where Broad River Road comes across. Exactly. I've listened to it in Camden, South Carolina, before, which is out there. Lancaster's no problem. Rock Hill, uh, all the way up above Asheville. Of course, mm-hmm. the, the mountains start playing. Charlotte. In, yeah, you can hear right. it. Charlotte. Yeah. So it's it's really amazing when. Uh, well, it's, it's amazing what a hundred thousand watts <laughs> can do. It's also kind of nerve wracking when I've got to being here talking and don't know who's listening. Yeah, and you know one thing, <laughs> there's only one bad thing about a I'm having another Chick-fil-A peach milkshake. There's only one bad thing about it. That's when the chunks of peaches get stuck in the straw and I can't get the milkshake. <laughs> it's frustrating. <laughs> it's so frustrating. But anyway. All right. Hang on through the break. I want one more segment to go on this edition of Woods and Water South Carolina. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. As I, I tried to get this to play the last time, this is NBC News. Uh, new studies find surprising cure for stress. Here you go. Stressful, often translating into medical complaints. But new research suggests one prescription is cheap. A minimum of two hours outside every week. Golf, cycling, boating, skiing, swimming, a walk, or a hike. Researchers say it reduces stress and depression, lowers blood pressure, and can even help with asthma. Pediatrician Stacy Beller-Stryer is with Park Rx. You write prescriptions for people to go into the parks. Why? These days, both children and adults spend way too much time indoors and on electronics, and we're seeing a lot of um, increase in obesity and diabetes. In the hills above stressful L.A. today, a chorus of agreement. It's like a medicine for me because it relaxes me. I'd rather come here than to go to the gym, to be honest with you. Researchers say the fresh air and sunshine are therapeutic. But there's a catch. 90 minutes a week isn't enough. Only at two hours do people see improved health. And just living in a greener neighborhood has benefits. Pretty cool. National news. Like I said, it's it's not something that uh, has been lost here <clears throat> because I believe you ought to spend at least two hours a day outside, although I don't. 
I wonder if keeping my door office door open and letting the fresh air in qualifies. Uh, it could count. Okay. Uh, a few points. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's unreal how much that is coming around to, uh, to national spotlighting on the benefits of getting outdoors. And you heard Steve talk about early fly fishing. I mean, it's, it is, I'm, I kid you not, a mountain stream has got to be one of the most relaxing places on this earth. I don't care if you're fly fishing or not, but the transition between, you know, the, the, the light noise of, of deep water and as you fish downstream or you fish upstream to the next set of rocks, uh, noise gets louder. It's a different, you know, when you're standing in it, it's a roar. You have a hard time hearing. You get above it, it fades out again. It is, it is really one of the truly, for me, that in the ocean. I enjoy the ocean too, mostly because I know it's there all the time. And no matter what I'm doing, um, let's see. So it, what we'll do here is we'll do this. This was something that I started at seven totally kid-friendly hikes in South Carolina that are one mile and under. And it, nothing beats getting everyone out of the house away from the screens and reconnecting with nature. The following seven trails in South Carolina are perfect for everyone in the family, young and old alike, especially the little ones. Whether spending the day with your own kids or your grands, you can beat the quality time. You can't beat the quality time spent outside hiking. And, uh, and so we're going to cover, uh, Wildcat Wayside near Cleveland, South Carolina. And, uh, pictures, it looks like it actually has stone steps going. So follow a creek upstream to see a series of three waterfalls on this kid friendly hike. The trail is one mile and has some stairs. Avoid after rainfall as things can get slippery and be sure everyone stays on the trail for the same reason that the snakes are out right now. So you don't want to get off the trail. The trailhead is located right at the, Cher- right on the Cherokee Foothills Scenic Byway. That's South Carolina 11. And, um, there again, just, you know, it's got stairs. I mean, I, I'm looking at a picture of it and it's not like little rocks that you got to step on. These are shelf rocks, stair stepped all the way up. So to help you get outside, there you go. And there's a bunch of them. East Queen of Falls. We've already talked about that one. Um, let's see. Haven't talked about Sullivan's Island yet. Wildcat Falls. We talked about 40 acre rock over in Kershaw and Mike's counties. So, uh, and these are everywhere. You can find these. I think this is from, um, gosh, I don't even know where I got this from now, but they, uh, everybody's got these. Only in your state is a good one. That's, a, that's one of those places you can go and find all sorts of stuff to do here in South Carolina. Is there a site people can go to that well, would give them all of this? Maybe yeah. a general site? Well, I mean, the, upstate South Carolina's got a lot of these. Only in your state is one of those. I think you were off the mic when you when I said that. Mm-hmm. I forget where I get these. I get these all the time. They're just like in mass emails to me. Yeah, there there's a lot out there. I'm oh, yeah. sure a lot of people say, you know what, I need to do that and <laughs> just haven't done it in That's it. like 20 years. That's right. Uh, we talk about, not so much here, but I know out west is a big deal about all the dams and all. And uh, we are actually in Columbia. We're going to take down a Congaree Creek Dam. Uh this is uh, by Sammy Fretwell, uh, Politics and Government out of the State newspaper in Columbia. Congaree Creek Dam will crumble. Fed say removing the dam is good for fish and paddlers. Uh, a dam that for years has blocked fish and kayakers from moving freely and a major tributary of the Congaree River will be torn down, marking one of the few dam removals ever conducted in the Columbia area. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service plans to start dismantling the metal structure Tuesday. And this would have been back, so it's probably down by now because this story is dated... May the 15th. Uh, let's see. 
Eliminating the dam, which would, should take several days, will allow fish to swim upstream to spawn while making the stream flow more smoothly for paddlers, canoeists, and kayakers interested in paddling upstream. They will no longer have a dam blocking them. But as much as anything, tearing down the small dam at Congreet Creek is a symbolic victory for river protection advocates who favor removing more outdated and unnecessary dams across the state and the nations. And like I said, this is big out west. Uh, efforts in, have intensified across the country in the past 20 years to dismantle dams that have outlived their purpose. The Congaree Creek Dam removal results from collaborations by environmental groups, federal and state agencies, and, and the city of Casey. Uh, all dams have an impact to our natural ecosystems and our fish and our rivers that fish and wildlife depend on. Um, a dozen dams have known to be removed with the most occurring since 1979. That includes two in the Columbia area prior to the Congaree Creek Project, according to federal data provided by American Rivers. So, oh, let's see. Wow, look at this. Last year, 82 dams were removed across the country, according to American Rivers. So the Congaree runs from the interior of Lexington County through the South County Department of Natural Resources Nature Preserve before emptying into the Congaree River near, near Casey. Thick forest line, much of the stream, which is inhabited by a variety of fish, as well as alligators. The creek is a key feature of this popular preserve. So, pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. And, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a big a big thing, like I said, across, especially out west where you have native salmon that try to get up rivers to spawn, like the Columbia River. I, I assume they're talking here about the stripers that run up Congaree in the spring. That's the only fish I know of that would be really impacted by this. I really don't want to do this story. It's kind of, yeah, we'll wait on that one. Out of the Department of Natural Resources, statewide deer harvest increases in 2018. Results of the 2018 deer harvest deer hunter survey conducted by the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources indicate that the statewide harvest of deer increased about 5% last season and was comprised of an estimated 109,000 bucks and 86,000 does, which made a total harvest of about 195,000 deer. Which is, that's a lot. Now it's down from the, the banner years, but, uh, it's over, up over the 2015, 2016. The thousand year flood spawned by Hurricane Joaquin, and this is interesting, in 2015 and Hurricane Matthew in 2016, each resulted in temporary season closures in some coastal counties and general access problems or decreased opportunity for hunters across much of the state. Also, well, there was what many called a record acorn crop in 16. And uh, this resulted in back-to-back decreases in harvests. So what Charles was saying here is that some of this is due to the carryover. You know, if you, you don't harvest as much in a couple of years, then you're going to make it up somewhere down the road. And the, the cool thing about this is this is available on the Department of Natural Resources website. You can go in there. It's the annual deer harvest. And uh, and you can read it for yourself. It's It's really technical. Statistical sampling is how they do this and... There's some also some or good muse. Uh, let me find it in the sorry. I'm not gonna bore you with all of this because a lot of it's percentage and stuff like that. All right. Mm. Gonna, I, I, if it's not in here, I know the number. And it talks about out of state hunters. Top counties for harvest in 28: Bamberg, Hampton, and Calhoun in the coastal plain, Anderson, and Spartanburg in the Piedmont. Which is interesting. Uh, but it doesn't say in here. Here we go. Yep. Okay. Results of this survey, 
and this goes back to coyotes, <clears throat> results of this year's survey indicate that approximately 22,000 coyotes were taken incidental to deer hunting. This figure represents a 1% increase from 2017, containing what seems to be a moderating trend in coyote numbers in recent years. On the other hand, approximately 39,000 wild hogs were killed statewide, representing a four-year increase from 2017. Now, the coyote, statistic, the coyote harvest is down significantly. There were 33,000 coyotes harvested in 2017 or 2016. So there, a lot of people are saying now that the coyote population in South Carolina is may have leveled out a little bit. But the hogs are a different story altogether. And, you know, there was a story I read about Texas giving up. I think Missouri Department of, of uh, their, their natural wildlife, natural resource department has asked hunters to stop shooting pigs because they're doing nothing but educating them. And uh, pigs, we're going to have to put, that's a, that's a problem. It doesn't solve itself, and and this and the the research they were doing with the um, the salt, Dr. Kurt Verkaterin, they ran into some problems on the delivery when it got wet. So, don't know what we're going to do about the pig problem here in South Carolina, but it's gonna it's gonna t- continue to get worse. Just <laughs> my daughter's not listening. I'll save this for next time. She needs to hear this. I'm gonna. Well, no, nah, I'll do it later. Okay, what else have I got here? Not that over there. Uh, I've already done that. <laughs> kind of, I don't want to get anything because it's going to take too long. There is a big move by the Trump administration to expand uh, access to public lands. 74 national wildlife refuges and 15 national fish hatcheries operate the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to outdoor sporting enthusiasts. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later on. But they are making efforts to make the outdoors more accessible. Uh, Oh, here's a good one. The Bassmaster TV series, the show that airs either live or or tape delayed, viewership is up 74%, 71% over last year, and ratings on among males 25 to 54 years old, have nearly doubled. That's BASS, which is interesting. It's not all lost, folks. Young people know what the outdoors are. You just got to give it to them right. You got to introduce them to it. And um, and a lot of this is because we got a lot of young kids on the, you know, Brandon Cobb, Patrick Walter from right here in South Carolina. Both of them young. They're attracting those. those. All right, what is a father? Father has hugs of warmth and evening slippers. Father has warm sweaters, tweeds, and football games. Father has strength, comfort, and easy calm. He's the greatest guy you'll ever know. Look to your father. He's your dad. Father's love is like a mountain, mighty and lasting. Happy Father's Day. Next week with more Woods and Water, South Carolina.